Hello and welcome back to Drinks and Thinks, the podcast where I, Connor Stewart, sit around and have a couple of drinks with my mates and talk about various semi-philosophical issues. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Sam Odu. Sam, please tell a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi everyone, I am Sam, Samuel, Sammy. I answer to all of those things. I have been a good friend of Connor's since we were 11. We went to school together um and yeah we've i think over the years i think we've spent quite a lot of time with each other and i was actually very delighted when he asked me to join his podcast and yeah and that's that's well that's me. I'm, I'm very excited to hear w- what you have to say i was just thinking when you said that you know that we've known each other for uh, you know seven years or whatever since we were 11 and i uh, i just remember that time when we went to leith hill and it was, it was it was you, me, Jesse, and Daniel. And we, <laughs> I've still got that photo of all four of us, like with our backs to the camera, thinking we're hard as hell with like the Surrey Hills behind. <laughs> that was that was a was it a weekend? I think it was a weekend. Yeah, I think yeah. It might have been summer actually. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was a very. Um, do you remember when I fell down that? Um, that hill, and I nearly broke my new camera. Yeah, gouged <laughs> out of your head as well. Oh, Do, you still have... Do you still have that scar on your forehead? I did. I think I do actually. I think it's um, it's a bit faint now, but I think if you look hard enough, you can you can see it. A little um souvenir from that weekend. Gouge. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, that was a that was it was a fun time. I'll, ne- I'll never never forget that. It was it was good. And then we went camping as well, and in that barn was that different? Yes, it, we did. Was that the same? Was that the same weekend? The same um, trip that? I don't know. Sorry, it, was on. it could have been. I'm not sure. Yeah. Either way, that memories are a bit fuzzy. Oh, honestly, I, it's actually <laughs> quite worrying. Like I, we're literally 18, and the stuff I can't remember is. Slightly not worrying, but there we are. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to be at your like cognitive peak around this time. As on, I'm not not really too sure what I did last week. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, you're supposed to be like functioning as best as you possibly ever will, and I'm like getting up at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's not it's not healthy. Quarantine's not done well for me. Yeah, I mean that's why I basically forced myself to get a job so i've just been working at a warehouse over the summer just to keep some sort of routine because the days are muddling into one when i was just at home sleeping eating sleeping etc repeat yeah it literally is (laughs) it's it's easy to just fall into a rut like that Uh, you've got a job i tried getting one um at like the local Sainsbury's and Tesco's and stuff, but I was just too late, just missed it all. All the jobs were Yeah. I don't don't feel too bad. I got rejected by the surrounding four co-ops, so don't don't feel bad. Bruh, all four (laughs) then. Haven't haven't been to any of them since. It's a protest. (laughs) You don't want to show your face around there again. (laughs) No, I get that. I get that. Co-ops. I, you know, one thing that pisses me off about co-ops is that 
they're never consistent with their logos, like their branding. It's so inconsistent. Like mm. some of them, some of them, it's like the green lettering, and it says like the whole the cooperative. Some of them is like the blue one, or it's like co-op. It just, I don't know what it is. It really gets on my nerves. Things that I haven't actually noticed that. I mean, I'll keep an eye for that. Maybe the ones near me have different. They could logos. Yeah, yeah, they could all be the same. To be fair, in your sort of area, but it's just really weird. They just they just use different logos for like different places. Like in in Horsham, there's like a, a small co-op which has like the blue logo, and then a bigger one which has a, a different logo. They're literally like two hundred meters away from each other, and it's just so inconsistent. <laughs> Do you think it's like um here you have like Tesco's, but then Tesco Metro and Tesco Express? I do think those different logos are um, like sort of that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. But the thing is, like, this is this is what, what soothes me is that the Tesco, the Tesco logos all sort of fit to a theme. You know, they're all the same color. They're all the same style and font and all that. I got, you've got your little Tesco Express. You've got your Tesco. You've got your Tesco Extra, whatever it's called. But mm. I mean, it could be that they're, you know, that they're trying to do a similar thing, but it just looks so weird. Recognize that, yeah, that's a co-op because you have to figure out which bloody logo it is. Yeah. Is... Yeah. That is, that is that's weird because I know, um, like businesses, like a big thing is that having their brand being so recognizable. Like, why would why would you why would you choose to have such varying yeah, logos. That is almost confusing. It makes it makes no sense. It's so confusing because it's just uh, it's just counterintuitive. Anyway, here we are ranting about <laughs> about co-op. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I checked, that wasn't philosophy. But um, so today we we wanted to talk about uh, sort of culture in general. And I was trying to think of a, a clever way to segue co-op into culture. I, I I'm not <laughs> clearly my cognitive peak has has flattened out a bit. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, but sort of, I mean, the main question is, you know, we, we hear people throwing the word culture around so much. You know, people talk about this culture, that culture. Um, you know, what do you think culture sort of, what, what does it mean to you, I guess? I think, well, I would first say that it's something, at least for me, is very difficult to define, like, succinctly. I think, well, in my definition, it would have to include maybe a history of a people, which might include religion, language, um, sort of their traditions. Um, but yeah, I think culture is probably just an umbrella term for for um, maybe the individuality of certain peoples i think that's mm. probably how i'd how i'd describe it right right it's sort of a um a general classification of the behavior of one group or another you know one group behaves yeah. different because they have a different a different culture um I, I find it interesting that you brought up language there um probably just because i'm i love language but um mm. when you sort of uh, listed those criteria what came to mind for me was like could you, for instance, then say that um, something like, I don't know, uh, the university rugby team is its own culture? You know, it's a group of people 
who have a certain history to them, a certain group collective background in that, you know, they've played this match and this match and this match all together. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, they have certain behaviours that they like to enact that other certain people don't, or at least from what <laughs> I've heard. Um, and of course, to a certain extent, they kind of have their own lingo, their own, uh, you know, terms and slang and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it would depend whether the the players on the team would identify themselves with that culture. So, um, which is to say that I think to call something or a group of people a culture, um, there needs to be sort of like a group decision to buy into it or to identify of, with it. So, right, right, a kind of collective yeah, that, you know, kind of collective yeah. consent we're all um, identifying with this particular culture. We're all agreeing to be a part of it and thus the culture is sort of created. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. And, and then for me, I mean, obviously culture... Um, ties in strongly with sort of geography you know you get um, when you talk about other cultures most people tend to think that you're talking about you know uh, eastern culture versus western culture or um, atheist culture versus christian or muslim or hindu culture so the question comes then for me is like what is the difference really between um, culture as this collective group of people and race as practically the same thing. You know, race is often used as a, as a term for uh, a group of people who have a similar ethnicity and come from a similar geographic location. Mm. What's the difference between race and culture? Are they divisible? Oh, that's a really tough question. Jen. I, th- I think um, the, if I'm trying to look at the differences and the similarities between them, I think maybe a similarity would be that there's various subsects within different like a certain culture and certain race um you take for example um maybe like a tribe in in nigeria and africa for example uh, they will identify themselves with certain culture and will call themselves like the tribe i'm from the yoruba they might call themselves um, a race as as Yoruba, Yoruba people, but even within that, there's countless subsects of different villages, etc. And so, I think it'd be very difficult to uh, differentiate between cu- culture and race when there's there's so many different sort of layers within a certain culture or a certain race. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, that, that kind of brings up the question of, you know, you speak about how, uh, you know, one culture can be subdivided into other cultures that thusly vary from each other by, you know, certain degrees. You can say Eastern culture varies from Western culture by a certain amount, but American culture versus British culture are also different things. And even you can zoom in even further and say, you know, um, English versus Welsh culture or London versus Birmingham culture. And you can, yeah, you can yeah. keep taking it down and down and down as far as you want. How, where, does that, where does that stop? Where can we draw a line and say, this is no longer culture, this is just personal preference, practically? You know, does it stop with the individual? Does everyone have their own personal culture? What do you think? 
Yeah, I th- well, I definitely think for a cultural race to exist, there needs to be some sort of community um, to which that cultural race can belong to. And so I wouldn't say that an individual could, on their own, constitute a whole culture. Um, But in terms of, is there like a numerical value as to where you can devise where a culture becomes a culture or not? I don't think you could, you could, uh, you could sort of rationalise that. Um, But I think culture probably stops at the individual like i think the individual might belong to different cultures and race or races and identify with them but they themselves aren't the cultural race if that, right, they, if that makes sense yeah yeah they do not constitute a culture of their own just because they're one person and you know that kind of makes it sound like you need uh, a minimum of two people but even then, you know, it, we're sort of hesitant to say, I think, that two people can make up a culture. You know, if yeah. you and me all of the same things and we do all of the same things at the same time in the same way, does that make us our own little culture? Or does it just mean that, you know, we're kind of similar people? At the end of the day, though, there's, there's a line that needs to be to be drawn somewhere. And I think to a certain extent, like you say, it's difficult to put a numerical value on it. To a certain extent, it's kind of just really intuitive about you can say really um just by by sensing it where you think the line sort of comes when you're talking about about cultures and you know we've got things like um uh indie cultures uh you know people like to be ahead of the curve people like to be interested in things that have a small following because you know it's niche it's nice to feel part of something something small and and close-knit like that um but obviously if you're the only fan of uh, a podcast <laughs> you're not part of a culture yeah i i hear that it's um i think it's 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 i think it's pretty much comparing chalk and cheese if you're talking about afro-american culture as like an archetype of like all a certain example of a culture and then me and you the Stuart Odu culture like i don't think you could the, the word culture is there is used in uh, equivocal terms yeah yeah of course you, you can't you can't compare um, african-american culture to the drinks and thinks culture or even <laughs> you know something on, on a much much smaller scale it's made it's very difficult you know to make that kind of comparison if they're not on a similar scale to each other um but even then the question comes to me even if they're on the same scale is it possible to you know compare and contrast societies and cultures can we say um you know here's afro-american culture uh here's afro-british culture let's put them up against each other and see where they differ and see what's better or worse can we say better or worse about culture what do you think yeah i think that's um probably right at the heart of like anthropology talking about like analyzing comparing contrasting different cultures I think the first problem is removing yourself from your own biases, from your culture. So, like, the things that growing up were right for you or the things that the people around you of the same culture were doing may be alien to other people and 
in order for you to actually understand the sort of um the values of other cultures it's important that you're not judging it using your standards and so kind of getting that objectivity would be very difficult i'd feel right right i mean you know in everything that that human beings do from law to philosophy to anthropology to music to art it's so so difficult to separate your own experience from whatever you are doing or creating or analyzing just because of the nature of of human existence you know we are ultimately experiential beings we feel things at the end of the day and it's impossible for anyone to to sever that feeling from their analysis of of whatever it is you know we're not we're not robots at the end of the day um but i i mean i guess i guess what i'm asking is um you know of course of course it's 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 so difficult to say whether or not one thing is better than another without any any bias but when it comes to culture i feel like to a certain extent it's 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 another kind of thing it cannot be qualitative um you know i feel like with culture you can't you it, it's it's sort of impossible really to say whether or not one culture is better than another and that's not purely i don't think down to um the fact that we are you know experiential beings and we we would always be biased but even without that bias i don't think that you know cultures can be better than one or another i suppose in a way it kind of comes down to what cultures are for you know why do we as mm. beings have culture is there a purpose to them because surely you know if we can if we can see that one culture achieves the purpose better than another it's a better culture but the question then comes is there a is there a purpose what do you think yeah i think i agree with you that in order to make a a value judgment on the good how good or how bad a culture is or comparing them there must be some sort of goal of cultures or at least some sort of objective standard to which you can actually measure up different cultures um i don't think that exists but i think what you can do is maybe compare um maybe the technological advances of different cultures or sort of the like the complexity of um of the various systems maybe like the judicial system or the economy but in terms of saying one culture is better than another culture uh, as as you said there needs to be some sort of objective and i don't i don't i don't really think that culture exists to achieve a certain goal um or at least say like a tangible goal so i would say saying a culture is better than another is kind of you're not really saying anything because what does it better actually mean right it's it's almost um sort of oxymoronic it doesn't it doesn't mean anything because they cannot be better or worse just different exactly exactly just different um just to kind of i guess sort of play the play the counter argument there if we have say um two two societies uh, in you know a fairly similar 
geographic location. Um, so, you know, resources are the same or whatever. We're making this very anthropological here, but we'll go with it. Um, and say one culture or one society has a culture of uh, destruction and war and vandalism. And, you know, their cities are constantly in disrepair. Their walls are constantly graffitied. There's always huge crime rates. There's rioting in the streets every day in culture, in society and culture A. And in society and culture B, we have, you know, this much more uh, sort of um, progressive uh, trying to work together as a, as a community to build a better society. You know, we can, we can, we can say, you know, like you said, we spoke about uh, technological advances or uh, the economy or various other things like that. Those are, you know, tangible things that we can, we can measure and see. If culture has an effect on those things, surely then we can see whether or not a culture is, is better or worse. Right. Um, that's, that's interesting. The only thing I would oh, that came out to me first was how this could possibly lead to a slippery slope in terms of if we accept that on those premises that you can make a value judgment on which culture is better. What? Because you've chosen very two contrasting cultures that basically polar opposites. But what? would happen if the differences in the crime rates, for example, were a lot smaller, such as, you know, in the Afro-American culture, well, society, um, well, if you take... Community? uh, Community, Afro-American community, I think that's in America compared to the, um, you know, the Anglo american community and compare the crime rates if accepting that you know those things um those indicators may make one society better than the other then surely you'll be able to justify saying that anglo-american uh communities are better than afro-american communities because of the difference in certain crime rates and certain um like age ranges, I, I don't, I don't really think that, I don't really think that is sort of a viable um, premise to keep. Right, right. I, I mean, I can, I can entirely, I can entirely agree there that it is a very much a slippery slope. Once you say um, X culture X is better than culture Y, it is so easy for people to to take that and um, and you know use it as therefore the people of culture x are better than the people of culture y and this is it comes back to what we spoke about earlier with the um sort of race culture distinction you know there is nothing inherent about the afro-american populace that causes the crime rate in the crime rate in afro-american communities to be higher than in anglo-american communities it's purely uh, socio-economic reasons mm. and these this is this is where you know we kind of we you know have to we kind of have almost a moral obligation to to draw that race that race culture distinction and to see that you know there's clearly nothing about afro-american people that is causing this to happen in fact it's more the socio-economic circumstances that these people are in but does that not then mean that the and i am just playing devil's advocate here does that not mean that the um that culture 
as separated from the race or the uh, the people, that culture leads to you know higher crime rates or whatever it leads to. Is it not um, still possible to say that without sort of uh, reaching this this slippery slope? So long as we we retain that race culture distinction. Wait, so I I'm trying to follow what you're saying. So yeah, it was a bit um, worse. <laughs> no, I I I think I get the gist. So, are you saying that if you take the black community in America, if their culture is causing um, higher crime rates, can we then say that the black community's uh, culture is worse than other communities? I mean, that's kind of kind of the question that I'm asking. Is is it? Is it possible for us to say that? I mean, uh, of course, you, you can never categorically say whether one thing is better than another because there's going to be different aspects to everything, especially within culture. There's so many different aspects. You know, there's, there's like you say, religion, art, music, crime and economics are just just one tiny facet of culture. But mm. given those, those things, could it not be, be possible to um, compare these cultures in a qualitative way? Well, I th- I don't really. I think for me to have like a um an educated opinion on this, I'd have to look at you know like quantitative stats and such. But I'll say that it would be possible to say that certain cultures are better at certain things than than other cultures. Um, but in terms of that justifying a sort of blanket statement saying this culture is better full stop in than the other culture i don't think even if they are, have expertise and maybe certain uh certain activities or certain um like uh quantitative things such as um employment for example I don't think that would necessarily justify you saying, well, not you, but one saying a culture is better than the other. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's a that's a perfect a perfect sort of sort of uh, agreement we can come to there is that you know you can definitely say that um, culture X is better than culture Y at employment rate, but you cannot ever say that something is is categorically better than another culture um, just because. There's so many facets to culture. Mm. Um, and, 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 sorry, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, and I think it's um, what your well, what is implicitly um, implied when you say culture X is better than culture Y, is that people from culture X are better than culture Y, which I then think, again, is a very slippery slope to go down um, in terms of. I don't really be well. There's yeah. no evidence for an inherent um, sort of uh, superiority in things like employment or or like universal success when you're looking at different cultures. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. It's you know um, you can never say that one group of people is inherently you know genetically better than any other because it's you know like you say 
there's zero evidence for it. It's just factually inaccurate. Like there's mm. no trying to say something like that. But I think you know, as long as we, um, as long as we maintain the the distinction between those things, and we say that that you know, culture X being better at something than culture Y never means that people X are better than people Y in any way, shape, or form. I think as long as we maintain that, it's not only okay, I think it's healthy and good for us to to analyze cultures, you know, as anthropology does, to see that um, one culture is better than culture X at doing something for a certain purpose. I think that that's, that's kind of a, an okay um, place to, to, to go with that. But I, I find it interesting that you brought up um, quantity. I mean, I'm kind of going to you know, steal that word from you and, and ask you a question about it. And what I kind of have to ask is, is it possible for um, things to be more or less cultured or cultural? Well, maybe not cultural, because obviously it can be cultural. But I mean, things like, you know, is it possible for a person who goes to see high art in various museums across London, New York, Paris, Germany, Germany, that's a city as well. Um, <laughs> uh, is it possible for them to be more cultured than somebody who, uh, you know, stays inside all day, doesn't read anything, doesn't um, listen to music, any of this kind of stuff? Is it possible to be more cultured? Whether or not that's a better thing is a, is a whole other issue. But what do you think? I definitely think that you can be more um, interested or like more involved in actively learning about other cultures or your own culture. But I think often the sentiment I get when people say, oh, I'm more cultured than you, is that, you know, I know more European history than you, or like I know these all these artists and all these um, paintings, I know the names of, etc. But I don't think that makes you more cultural than somebody who likes rap music or somebody who's really into skating or, di or has different other hobbies. I think it's culture is something that is very diverse. And because of that, being cultured means very different and ranging things and so saying somebody is more cultured period than somebody else's thing is more misleading i think you can say i've i have a more uh nuanced understanding of like baroque architecture for example but to say that because i know this i'm more cultured than you i think is i think it's misleading as to yeah yeah, yeah exactly because you know okay, you know more than me about Baroque architecture, but I'm fairly sure that I know more than you about, you know, um, rap music or skateboarding, like you say. Uh, again, it comes down to the uh, difference as opposed to better. You know, people have different cultures. I don't think anyone has a better culture. And just mm. because you have different cultures doesn't make you more or less cultured than anyone else, you know. I think culture is, is a huge part of the human experience. People like things. People like to be parts of groups. People like to have certain hobbies and pastimes. Um, and that leads to everyone. You know, I can't think of a person who doesn't in some way involve themselves in, in a, a culture. Mm -hmm.
So, Sam, you come from a, uh, a background of uh, a slight, certain proportion of Nigerian heritage, uh, and I come from a background with a certain proportion of uh, Irish heritage. And I thought it would be quite uh, sort of fitting for our drink to theme it slightly around that. Sure if, if our listeners are going to uh, is that we're drinking today, but uh, I've got a, I've got a little factoid for you. I believe the second, uh, the country that is the second largest consumer of Guinness is in fact Nigeria, uh, after Ireland, of course. <laughs> um, so that's what, that's what we're uh, having today. That seems very fitting for the occasion. And what do that, you think? Well, it's not my pint of choice, but, you know, for the culture, I have to be representing my country. I am enjoying a very cold pint of Guinness this evening. What about you? Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, I do like uh, sort of the odd Guinness once in a while. It's got, you know, it's a very, very strong flavour, but um, I could never, I could never drink, you know, two or three or four in a row it's just too, too overpowering i need something lighter to cleanse my palate um murray who was uh, on the last episode told me once that um what was it he, well he told me they put mud in it first of all which is you know a classic uh, but he also said that they uh, they make it so dark by putting penguins in Oh my days! <laughs> well, I can I can definitely believe the mud because it does sometimes. Well, at least to me, with my sensitive palate, taste a bit like dirt, especially the extra stout stuff. <laughs> it does. It does have a certain earthy aroma to it. I'm I'm not gonna not gonna res- dispute <laughs> that. Um, he also he also claimed that. Uh, the reason that we fought the Falklands War was to preserve our supply of, of penguins so we could keep making Guinness, which just had me cr- <laughs> Well, Murray, Murray is a man of culture, so I, I wholly, wholly back that reasoning. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he certainly, certainly is a man of culture. What culture that is, I'm not quite sure but (laughs) maybe it's just his own you know maybe it's his own culture maybe we're wrong maybe murray murray dare culture is a thing and maybe there actually are penguins in guinness you know (laughs) (laughs) don't know what goes on in that factory you know actually what i recently found out is that um their their factory in uh dublin it's it's actually rented for one pound a day oh my days i don't know why it's because it's i think it it started as like a contract hundreds of years ago when you know when guinness first started being produced and they were like we'll give you a quid a day for it and the landlord was like yeah okay fine wrote up a contract for it and they just haven't changed it since which is wow (laughs) that is shocking so what they just agreed on a fixed fixed amount yeah, yeah, and uh, the contract didn't have a, an end date, so it's, I suppose it's just been in, in act since then, and nobody's bothered to change it, which is, uh, you know, if I was the uh, the landlord who owned that piece of land, I'd be really pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but um, it's one of those funny things, isn't it? 
Yeah, so it's very sort of quirky. It's like there's so many weird things like that. There was a um, is I'm pretty sure it's um, I think it might be Holland is paying a debt still from 400 years ago or something like that. They're still paying it off like every week, but it's it's again it's like two quid a day or two quid a year even. <laughs> uh, well, similarly, I think. Haiti were paying France uh, a debt from like the 1800s and they only finished paying it, I think, what, like the mid 20th century? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was recompense for, um, for the slave revolt in Haiti, which yeah, is. That, that's it, that's what? it. <laughs> How can you expect a country to pay a debt to another country for the revolt of slaves? Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, and that's actually that's a, it's a different different yeah it was a it was a different time. but i was gonna say um <laughs> it's it's ridiculous to me that um slave owners in england were paid you know recompense for their property loss quote quotation marks um mm. yeah, abolishment of slavery abolition abolition of slavery in the uk um and some people were still being paid for that until 2015. You're kidding me. Five years ago. Oh my lord. It boggles my mind. Like, it's, it, I mean, it's ridiculous that it happened in the first place, but. I mean, ha- could, could people in good conscience receive that payment? Like, doesn't that raise serious questions i think it raises serious questions about uh about culture actually to a certain extent (laughs) the question that kind of comes now is you know can one culture's morality be better than another's you know we spoke about how on on the whole cultures can't be better than one or the other but you know morality is such a universal human thing that varies somehow so wildly between different cultures what, what do you think about that? Man, you're, re- you're really taking me back to my pre-U philosophy days here. Absolute versus relative morality. Um, yeah. Well, I think my stance is that I think there are things that just naturally feel wrong to, to, to humans. And, well, to my knowledge, things that are considered wrong in all cultures for example like needless killing um well cultures today like even if you look at you know the reasons why different people might receive a death sentence in different countries it's different but at least there's like a rationale behind it like in no culture is just stabbing somebody on the street um, on the street, uh, like moral. And yeah, it's, so, ne- it's never acceptable. It's never acceptable, and so it's um. I think apart from that, I think it'd be di- very difficult to have a value judgment on if one society is more moral than another because there must be a sort of an absolute standard for you to compare them to 
And apart from those, I think, what are anomalies in terms of things that are just clearly wrong in all societies, it would be very difficult for, you know, me, who's a part of several cultures, to then make an objective judgment about another culture. Right, right. And, you know, people always, people often get quite um, quite worked up about this kind of thing, about somebody making a judgment on someone else's culture and saying, you know, that's clearly wrong. People, some people might be sort of up in arms about it, saying, you know, you cannot say that culture X is doing something wrong. It's just not allowed. It's not okay. But, you know, if the Aztecs were still around and, and doing human sacrifice, I feel like some people might want to speak up against that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I think it's um, a totally different question if you're talking about judging past cultures to current cultures. Okay, okay, that's that's an interesting, interesting thought. Go on. Uh, what I mean is that you know when we're looking at our societal values today, what we consider to be right and lawful, and compare it to three hundred, four hundred years ago, you'll be, you know, very hard pressed to find somebody who would agree with human sacrifice etc um but it just raises the question like whether you can you know accurately and in good faith judge past cultures given how much has changed since then and how different our societal values and biases are now compared to then right right no i i entirely i entirely agree that you know it's um it's so difficult to say that one thing is, is better than another and it comes back to to what we spoke about earlier with the um like personal bias that's just so inseparable from from humanity but you know we mm. do want to say that that society has progressed we don't you know we don't say um yes our morals have changed since the time of slavery we want to say you know as a, mm. as a moral moral actor we want to say that Society has progressed since the age of slavery. We have done the right thing in abolishing it. We, it's not just, you know, a different culture, because there are certain lines that maybe used to be crossed and maybe in some countries still are being crossed that we, in our particular culture, can see and say that's clearly wrong. And of course, you know, there are, there are things in our culture that other cultures would say that's wrong. You know, I think... Um, our frivolous use of, of fossil fuels is hugely immoral. I think um, some people talk about, you know, meat eating, that being a huge immoral thing, but it's so normalized under our culture. But this is the thing, you know, we want to, we want to say as, as moral agents, we want to say that society is progressing in a moral, in a moral way. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely, well, it's, um, you know how I spoke about earlier about things that just are, well, just seem to be wrong in society, talking about needless murdering and needless killing. Mm. Take something like slavery, like, you know, 99% of people now would be, you know, revolted by the idea of slavery and are revolted, and that's where they draw the line. But for me, what's difficult is how do you get from a place 400 years ago where 
slavery was something as common as anything else to where we are now and sort of trying to see that as progress would suggest that there are absolute moral standards that we're working towards but clearly from 400 years ago where slavery was right to how to where we are now that absolute has changed and looking us looking our society now and in the future where would where where and how would our values change from now um say in 100 years like i think it's for me, I think it's just a very difficult thing to say that. Well, not not to say, but to uh, rationale whether ch- change is actually progress. Yeah, yeah, I I, I completely understand. Um, you know, like you say, uh, it, it appears to us that the moral absolute has changed since the time of slavery, because then it was it was so normalized and so accepted as an okay thing to do. Whereas we today, like you say, ev- everyone and anyone would be revolted by the idea of, of, of using a human being like property. But the problem is, what if we're, what if there is, you know, a moral absolute? OK, it appears to us that the moral absolute has changed between then and now. But what if all that's changed is our perception of it, how close we are getting to the moral standard? OK, we're not treating people as perfectly as we could do in today's society. But mm. on the whole, we're treating people better than we used to. And I think that that on its own signifies progress. OK, we're, we may never reach the moral standard, the moral absolute perfect. But just because, you know, our, our subjective um, relative opinions on morality have changed, I don't think that necessarily implies that the moral absolute must have changed and thus must not be absolute. Yeah, and, and that's interesting. So if I grasp what you're saying, that um, back then, in terms of slavery, the subjective um, opinions about it being right were further away from the more absolute. And now that we are um, definitely rebuking it, we're closer to the more absolute. Right, that's, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to get at, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think I would agree that in terms of um, how humans in general are treated in terms of equality, which I think is an absolute, um, has definitely progressed um, since the time, time of slavery. But I think we can't really talk about moral absolute without talking about where it comes from. Right. And that's, you know, I think there's a whole issue about, you know, whether it comes from from God, from the universe, from uh, human nature. That is, you're right, that is an entirely different issue that maybe we'll get onto in another episode. But, but I can see, I can see where your, where your issues lie with this, certainly. Um, It kind of sparks in my mind, uh, or it brings to, to the front of my mind, a certain example. In today's culture, we have, you know, cancel culture this sort of idea that you can uh call people out in a public setting for the way that they have acted and as such cancel quote i'm taking quote cancel them um you know basically ruin their career for for an immoral action that they took 
in the past. I mean, what do we think about that? Is that not, in a way, um, proposing a moral absolute? I think um, cancel culture and stuff like no platforming people, um, it's very, I think, a very tough um, subject, to, well, at least for me to grapple with, because on the one hand, people should definitely be held accountable for the things that they say, and especially now with the internet, where you write something on the internet, it stays there forever it's even more important being sensitive of how you use your words. But at the same time, I think any act that actually closes the dialogue um, discussing the problems of what is said, what was said, can't be productive, such as like no platforming. Right. right. I, definitely, I, I definitely think that, you know, freedom of speech applies to all people. And yes, hateful speech shouldn't 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 be tolerated. But in terms of having somebody with unpopular views who's not inciting hatred being no platformed or cancelled, I think is not progress, but you know, going backwards. Right. I think I think it's I think you're entirely correct. I agree hundred percent. It's hugely, hugely important to philosophy and to humanity in general to debate you know we need discourse no one's gonna Mm -hmm. you know always agree with everything that anyone else ever says people are gonna say unpopular things quite often people are gonna say wrong things and you know a lot of the time i have been i've been that person who just says something for the sake of saying the counter argument for the sake of putting it forward and you know people get get angry when 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 other people say uh, things that they don't agree with on a on a moral level or on a on a different um, sort of level, but like you say, I feel no platforming is so so hugely unproductive. There needs to be somebody putting forward the argument, even if you know, even if it's someone putting forward the argument for slavery, right? Say we had a debate, slavery is okay. This house would would reestablish slavery, whatever. Um, if there's somebody there willing to put forward that argument, you know, whether or not they agree with it is another issue, but there's someone there willing to put forward that argument. I think that is so helpful and productive because it allows other people to demonstrate exactly why that view is wrong. You know, if you don't engage in discourse with somebody with, with um, fascists, with racists, if you don't engage in discourse with these people, they're never going to change their views. Whereas if you get, somebody who's hugely racist and homophobic uh, and and whatever on on tv and you get somebody there to to speak to them and put forward counter arguments then you can show all of these people all of the people who follow this racist or whatever you can show them exactly why that view is wrong and fingers crossed you know change some of their minds and this is why i think personally cancel culture is is so hugely unhelpful yeah i think Personally, as well, I definitely agree with the argument that in order to uh, facilitate change and progress, or or change or progress, I've just had just had that debate. Um, we um, the dialogue needs to be open. But from my from my point of view, I I won't um, I won't engage in me personally a 
a debate or discussion with an inherent racist, for example, I don't think that's a productive um, a productive conversation for me to have. So I definitely think that you, you do at the same time need a nuance with uh, how you, at least on a personal level, how you engage in debates and what you actually what you actually aim to get out of it. Uh, because if if you're just arguing for for the sake of arguing. argument for the sake of arguing, that's not productive, is it? But also, you know, as you said, debating, you can actually re-examine your own thoughts, your own um, beliefs, and possibly change them as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it strikes me um, strikes me that you say you would never. Uh, sort of engage in a in a conversation with an inherent racist because to me it feels like it feels almost like an obligation to engage in conversation with these people and to at least attempt to change their minds i mean like you say of course if it's if it's impossible to change their minds and it, it, it truly is futile then of course you know there's no point in engaging if they're, if they're just far too stubborn or um <laughs> So one of my teachers said once to me after I got in an argument with another teacher, he said to me, uh, you never argue with a baby or a drunk because they'll never change their mind. <laughs> I think that is hugely important information and, and advice that, you know, you do not engage with people who are never going to change their mind because it's futile. But I think if there is even the slightest chance that you can convince a racist to change, then I think you, you have... A moral obligation to engage with that person. Yeah, I I definitely think um, debate with somebody with what well how you would describe as you know wrong views such as racism or sexism is in certain contexts helpful, but I think in our society if you can actually properly rationale with yourself that somebody is superior to other by by the, by the simple fact of who their parents are and what colour of skin they have, you know, person, for me at least, is, you know, like, so far, so far gone that me, myself, I wouldn't want to put myself through the tiring effort to try and change someone with such deep-rooted beliefs because of how much we know about other races and other cultures now to still hold that belief in today's society you must be very very um stuck in that in that way of thinking right you you are in that case a baby or a drunk effectively um just to sort of to sort of wrap things up sam um on, at least on the cultural standpoint, um, we're talking sort of about, you know, racism and sexism and these issues that almost everybody agrees are, you know, done and dusted. We can say for sure sexism is wrong. There's nothing inherent about men or women that makes one better than the other. And the same with race and the same with uh, sexual preference and all of this kind of stuff. We can say pretty much the conversation there, it, it's over. You know, yes, society needs to change in certain ways, but the... Um, we know that. We know that what we have to do as a society. My question comes more on a political side of things. 
debate in that in that sort of um, setting about you know um, Labour versus Conservative, or just more generally um, Libertarianism versus Conservatism. You know these these debates need to be had, in my opinion, for the betterment of society. But the question comes, uh, at least to me, it came earlier. Sort of, I thought, is culture to a certain extent not inherently conservative in that it is effectively, you know, culture is the the conservation of traditions and ways of life and religion and art and music and whatever else you want to bring under the umbrella. And so is it not in a way inherently a a conservative, lowercase c, conservative concept? Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I haven't really thought of it like that before. But I would say that it's important to remember that, you know, culture isn't static. Just as uh, humans change, so so do their cultures. Um, but I do I do understand where you're coming from in terms of, you know, thinking and about the past and trying to conserve the past. But I think you can do that at the same time as progressing with uh with well with the present and also the future as well so i can I, i'll probably say that i can definitely see why one would think that culture as a concept is conservative but also at the same time it's not something that is fixed it's also something that changes over time right right it's something it's something that grows and shifts and changes albeit at you know different rates in different places and different circumstances but culture is is this this living thing that is constantly changing uh, just to, to sort of bring to a close yeah. now um i wanted to ask you as is customary on the end of the show what do you think philosophy is in a very general sense what is philosophy to you well f- philosophy uh for me would be wanting to know more about the world but also know more about how you think about the world also so um i think on one side it's knowing about the exterior what's exterior to you but also examining the way that you hold your beliefs the way you think about um the exterior things of this world an extent, um, yeah, I it's think quite it's... introspective for you, Go on. to a certain extent. Yeah, I would say so as well, because, you know, in order to think about other things, uh, you need to devise a way of how you actually go about doing it as well. So I think for me, philosophy is a process, um, both of examining the external, but also the internal as well. Yeah, wow. I think that's 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 really uh, really summed it up quite well. I think. Uh, well, thank you very much for for coming along and, and uh, sharing your views on culture with me, Sam. I've really found it very very interesting, and I hope you, the listener, have too. Thank you, of course, for for tuning into this episode. Hopefully, we'll be back. Okay. Thank you. Go on. Sorry, I think you cut off a bit there. <laughs> sorry i was gonna say uh, thank you uh connor for having me i've enjoyed my my hour or so 
chatting with you. Honestly, it's been it's been a real pleasure. It's been very very interesting. Hopefully, we can uh, maybe get you back on at a later date, and we'll see uh, if there's more to discuss on on something else. Um, but until until uh, next episode, everyone, thank you for coming. Uh, keep keep drinking, keep thinking, all of that, uh, and we'll see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>